My name is Mark Beatty, Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. In this podcast, I'd like to highlight some of the content of the July edition of the journal. The first paper relates to progressing pancreatobiliary medicine in the UK. It's written by Andrew Hart, Gavin Johnson and Matthew Huggett. And in it, they highlight this rapidly developing field, discussing the speciality and why there's a need, including components of the speciality, training and infrastructure and future developments. It's accompanied by a series of seven excellent articles on pancreatobiliary medicine, written by experts and covering a wide range of topics including the diagnosis and management of, plus recent advances in acute and chronic pancreatitis, immunoglobulin G4-related disease, pancreatic cysts, pancreatic cancer, pancreatic neuroendocrine tumours, and cholangiopathies. Two of the articles, that's the management of acute and chronic pancreatitis, are the joint editor's choice this month. I'm going to talk now about some of the specific content. Firstly, management of acute pancreatitis. Acute pancreatitis is common and potentially life-threatening with a broad range of clinical presentations. Alcohol is the commonest etiology in males and gallstone disease in females over the age of 60, although there are many, many other causes and these are highlighted in detail in this paper. There are multiple national and international guidelines. In their review, Good Child and colleagues discuss the diagnosis. There are set criteria, typical history, raised amylase, consistent imaging. They discuss the management challenges, including the role of antibiotics. And they address common dilemmas seen in clinical practice, including the role of nutrition and the management of pancreatic and perpancreatic collections. It's an authoritative and up-to-date summary of an important condition which is well worth working through and important for clinicians in practice. The second article relates to the management of chronic pancreatitis. These are a pair of papers which should be read together. Chronic pancreatitis is an irreversible fibroinflammatory disorder of the pancreas which presents with relapsing, remitting upper abdominal pain accompanied by features of malabsorption, secondary to pancreatic insufficiency and endocrine deficiency with the development of diabetes. Early diagnosis is challenging and the condition is probably under-recognised. Alcohol consumption accounts for up to 80% of cases in the Western world. Multidisciplinary management is essential to guide treatment and management of complications. Jalal and colleagues in a comprehensive review discuss the etiology, including rare causes, risk factors, diagnosis and management, including medical, nutritional, endoscopic and surgical. Like the accompanying article on acute pancreatitis, it's authoritative, up-to-date and essential reading. The third article I'd like to highlight this month is one relating to gluten-free products and celiac disease. So it's an interesting question. Celiac disease is common and the treatment of celiac disease is lifelong gluten exclusion. 
The reduction in prescription of gluten-free foods has resulted in greater reliance on commercial foods by children and adults with celiac disease. Poor dietary compliance is associated with a less good outcome. In this issue, Hansi and colleagues have done an interesting thing. They've explored the cost and availability of gluten-free products and if this has changed in the last six years. They've looked at data from 60 stores and 10 internet outlets. In summary, availability has increased in premium stores and internet outlets, although most are significantly more expensive than gluten-containing products. With just as an example, gluten-free bread being about four times more expensive. Interestingly, however, availability of gluten-free products was significantly less in budget, supermarket and convenience stores. So in summary, with respect to that, little has changed in recent years, despite the increased use of gluten-free diets. This is a big issue. The issues with availability and lifelong cost burden has significant implications for children and adults with celiac disease particularly as good compliance leads to better outcomes. The next paper to highlight relates to the establishment of a dietitian-first gastroenterology clinic. There are considerable pressures on new patient clinic slots in gastroenterology and all other medical specialities, where there's a consequence long waits to be seen. In this issue, Mertsekwa and colleagues report on the development of a dietitian-first gastroenterology clinic model and use a mixed methods approach to evaluate the impact. The development was very positive, with large numbers of patients being seen and a significant reduction in waiting times for eligible patients. 10% had an expedited medical review as a consequence of red flags being highlighted in the clinic consultation that weren't highlighted in the referral letter. Patient satisfaction was high, the initiative had a significant impact on patient flow and this should be considered as a strategy to improve access to specialist help and therefore impact on quality of care and outcomes. The next paper to highlight relates to facilitating treatment of hepatitis C in primary care. So this is a big challenge. Globally, up to 80 million people are estimated to be living with hepatitis C. And there's highly effective and well-tolerated treatment available, although significant ongoing issues with failure to identify infected individuals and failure of them to be able to access treatment. So in this issue, Higgins and colleagues report a local initiative to bridge the access gap. This involved implementation of a community-based transient elastography service that's required as part of the diagnostic workup, plus a weekly MDT to discuss treatment, which is then prescribed and monitored in primary care. Over the study period, 327 patients started treatment. The intention to treat sustained virological response was 87%. And that's equivalent to the success rate seen in secondary care. So in summary, this integrated care pathway effectively scaled up and simplified treatment with the potential to treat vulnerable patients who wouldn't otherwise access healthcare, and so is a step closer in the global mission to eliminate hepatitis C infection. 
There's an excellent accompanying commentary discussing the wider issues. So, I'd like to commend this edition to you. I've summarised only some of the great content. Please read and enjoy the full edition. Please also contact me if you have a topic you feel we should cover, a topic you feel you'd like to write about, or any other thoughts about how we should best develop the journal to help you in your clinical practice. Follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcasts. I'm Mark Beattie, Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. Thanks for listening. Music